We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you after a third straight Dallas Mavericks victory, this time over the Atlanta Hawks, 118 to 117. Josh, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Uh, although the my mood was very much, much like this <laughs> Mavericks game. It was hanging in the balance till the final seconds. So it's nice that the Mavericks finally had some breaks go their way for once. Where, where should we start? Because it was a really... Uh- interesting like each quarter felt like a different game it really did I to me I I think I'm going to write about this when we're done potting the story to me was the Mavericks offense in the clutch and I think we're starting to see a trend here where they have figured some stuff out Um, and I was very I mean basically every one of these three wins I mean they've won what four they've won three in a row four out of their last five I think so They're they're basically winning this stretch of games that we have up until now essentially said they had to win. And they've all um, been clutch wins. Yeah. And the offense has been has been very pretty pretty good uh down the stretch in all of these games. And I think this game, you know, really exemplified it. I mean, they they outscored, you know, they win by one and outscored Atlanta 37-27 in the in the fourth quarter. Like they only they only win this game if their offense is as good as it is uh down the stretch. And to me, the biggest thing that I saw was um, the Mavericks ran with Jalen Brunson to close the game out. And I think we've hinted at this on the podcast for a couple of weeks now, uh, ever since Jalen kind of stabilized himself after he kind of started the season a little rough, uh, ever since he started to play well, um, it, I've been wanting to see this. I've been wanting to see them close games with him because – the big thing that this Mavericks offense has been struggling with is, you know, outside of the fact that all there's, you know, they're missing so many three point open three pointers is that they are just struggling to get any sort of shot creation outside of Luca. 
with Przingis having his intermittent intermittent struggles. Uh, Josh Richardson has struggled to shoot the ball uh, consistently. And basically it's been Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Brunson has been the only three guys that have been getting offense off and Brunson comes off the bench. So he doesn't play a huge role every game. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. is more of a spot up guy. So it's really felt like it's just been, it's if Luca isn't doing it, it's uh, been rough to watch. So Seeing Brunson play well throughout the game for the most part and then close the game uh, really well. I mean, holy cow, he was fantastic that fourth quarter. I don't have the numbers up. I can look them up in a little bit. But I loved seeing him playing off of Luka and seeing those two kind of handle the ball, share the ball, handling responsibilities. Seeing Brunson make plays off the dribble when Luka gets trapped. um, It was huge. And he made shots. And it was really, man, Kirk, it was going to be really disappointing to see if they had this furious comeback and Brunson playing really well and making shots for the game to come down to then the Mavericks very last offensive possession, Luka gets doubled and Brunson gets a wide open three and misses it. Like if the Hawks would have won after that and kind of almost thrown away all of that work, that would have been really, really, really discouraging, but it didn't happen. So we can talk about the good stuff. And well, we, good where, stuff. I, where I would have started had that been the case was the fact that Luka was absolutely jobbed on a unbelievable continuation 15 oh, yeah. foot jumper. And the ref just does like, that's a thing where an NBA ref is not, we, you know, we do we do this all the time where it's like you see an NBA player do something and you go, oh, my God, that shouldn't be possible. That's what the ref did because the ref had made it up that that was an on-the-floor foul call, which it, it even – I'm not sure it matters because he never put the ball down. I don't – the continuation rule in the NBA is garbage. That's neither here nor there. So, friend of the, the podcast, Bobby Corral, had an incredible tweet. Dallas had a 160.9 offensive rating and had an 84.1 effective field goal percentage in the fourth quarter. That'll do it. That will do it. (laughs) That is unbelievable. And they they even, and and they left some on the table, like you said. And I've got the fourth quarter stats here. Um, Would you be shocked to hear Kirk that the Mavericks rallied from a nine point fourth quarter deficit and Luka Doncic was the, wow. He was one, two, Tied for the fourth highest scorer in the fourth quarter for the Mavericks. I believe it. He was dealing. Uh, yeah. He was yeah. really dealing. Um, I, I made a comment on our Slack about his statistical profile heading into the fourth would look like rookie year, Luca, where he's at like 21, 5, and 5. And then he finishes with 28, 10, and 10. Uh, he had some like power rebounds and was really, I think the Mavericks, honestly, the Mavericks scorekeeper gave him a few assists that were not assists. Like like Jalen dribbled like three times on some of his shots that w- that went in, and then that, <laughs> that that's not an assist, but you know I don't care. Um, the 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 other thing that really blew the doors off w- was how what what started the fourth quarter in Tim Hardaway Jr. Yes, he uh, was outstanding. What did he do in the fourth? Uh, he had thirteen points on five of six shooting and three of three from three. He was a Ooh. plus ten in the quarter. Obviously, I think he played the whole quarter. Yeah, that was that was really quite the quarter, and the Hawks looked very <laughs> stunned. They the Mavericks really should have that that shouldn't have been a one point game. They got jobbed by the ref on that on that one call. And Brunson, you know, he's been such a good three point shooter. The shots that he has missed this year have made me laugh because I wonder if he's like one of these guys who just likes the contest a little bit in terms of it making him feel comfortable. Um, it was it was really something. There's there's just kind of a wild game because you know through through the second and third quarters in particular 
the Mavericks just didn't look like they had it. Um, John Collins was carving them up. So was Trey Young, frankly, in terms of some of the dimes he was throwing. And the Mavericks were not rotating hard enough on on some of the the, the Hawks shooters. There was just they were just a step slow. You know, Maxi Kleba is is the Mavs' best defender. I still believe this, but he he must still be getting coming back from COVID because he was off his game the entire game. He was a a, a, a rather hilarious negative twenty four on the plus minus in twenty five minutes. So the it's, Mavericks got and it's crazy because you look at it and it's like no one else is even within within that like at all yeah. like, everybody you know richardson and kp had some had a rough outing which we'll kind of get to but nothing was as bad as maxi like that guy was on the bad side of just about every oh my gosh like is that really happening play in the first and in, in like the first three quarters and you know sometimes guys just don't have it and and you know I, he's looked so great in spurts and then at other times he just looks spent so it's I mean, this is what we're talking about. We want to see if the Mavericks were be, would be able to get something from these guys by the end of February. And I think that, you know, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith ha- had a really solid game, and he was another, you know, guy who came down with COVID. Um, Richardson just had a little bit of a come-to-earth game, come-back-down-to-earth game compared to last time, but he's making plays offensively in terms of passing the ball, which is real nice. Um, you know, Dwight Powell came in and gave them five solid energy minutes, which they absolutely needed. Um, you know, you, you got Willie Colley Stein, who probably had his best overall performance since the Denver Nuggets win, uh, before all the COVID troubles happened. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a really interesting game. Yeah. And like you said, it, it really did feel like a different game in each quarter. Uh, you know, Atlanta kind of controlled the game in the second and third quarters, it felt like a you know close game in the first, and then you know Dallas kind of blew their doors off in the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you want to go in the fourth quarter? I feel like you know you, you mentioned Willie Cauley Stein. I feel like these games, like I think the thing we have to just accept with him is that you know I know people probably scream for him to play more, and the thing is, is you, you're just not going to get the game. Like we just have to. Everyone has to accept that the game-to-game consistency with him is probably not going to be there. There are just going to be games where he is just not a player you want on the floor for more than 10 minutes or so. This, this felt That's like a game for him, though. It felt like a game for him where, like, Luca was bending him to his will. Where Luca <laughs> threw, there was one air ball layup Luca shot where Luca was like, you could tell after the play, he was like, jump and dunk the ball. Jump and dunk the ball. He... And then the next time now, or it was in the second half, where he threw him a a you know oop from the three point line, which is not like that does not happen for Luca and 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 um and and Willie Cauley Stein, and and he dunked the crap out of the ball. There, you know, it's it's really something watching him play because he's he's such a natural athlete, but I think aspects of basketball just are things he doesn't like to do that much. I'm not really sure I understand it, but it, it was really fun watching him get into the groove because he really, it, it was, he was building upon himself. It was fun. Yeah, for sure. And I think defensively in the fourth quarter, he may, you know, and the Mavericks didn't get a ton of stops in the fourth quarter, but they did have, you know, they, you don't outscore another team by 10 unless you get some stops. And I think uh, when Kristaps went out, when he got that fifth foul and released all like, Willie Colley Stein came in. He defended John Collins decent, uh, I think, on at least one or two possessions and contested pretty well. And my my God, John Collins has absolutely destroyed the Mavericks in these two mm-hmm. games. 
So the fact that John Collins shot three of seven in the fourth quarter after what he was doing in the last... Did he really shoot three of seven? Three of seven, yes. Okay, so uh, that means heading into the fourth quarter, he was nine of 11. Yes, and I don't remember... I don't have the numbers of what ten he shot. Ten of 11. No, he was 10 of 11. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what he shot in the first game, but it was it was probably something near that as well. Um, and I think Willie's length and the fact that he was engaged and he stuck with him uh, it really helped. And uh, there was one particular possession where, you know, Collins drove. And the thing that surprises me about John Collins is someone that does not watch a lot of Atlanta Hawks basketball, obviously, uh, is he is way smaller than I picture in my head. Oh, he's like, big, though. Yes, he does, for sure. But, like, when you see him on the – like, you, you, you say that. Like, he plays big, and you look at his numbers, and you're like, oh, this is like, you know, this is a big – not necessarily a big guy, but he play, you know he plays big, so you just kind of – picture what he would look like in your head and then he's out there on the court and i swear he looks like he's doing finney finney smith like just kind of a string bean that's not necessarily like uh, a tall presence and i think that kind of bothered him a little bit in the fourth with collie stein because like you said like you can't teach length and collie stein has it and if he's engaged and he's locked in like he was able to erase some of the easy baskets that collins was feasting on in the first three quarters and that was nice to see yeah, I really was. And and it's the kind of victory, uh, you know, the the Timberwolves victory was pretty gross feeling. Uh, yeah, you and I sure. didn't podcast after that one. Um, Jason Gallagher and I did. We really talked about the game for like a few minutes and then moved on to other stuff. And it's good to get a victory that feels like they they played through adversity and and really won something valuable as opposed to surviving. Um, and so that that part of this game was really nice because they, I I'm not sure what these Mavericks are. Uh, who knows? It's it's going to be one of these deals. You know, you keep talking about how we need to get to the end of um, basically the end of the month, and they need to be playing about 500 ball. They're two games under 500 now, which is nice. And I really think I think that's probably the best way to approach it is to get through this first half of the season and see where they are and see what they need to assess. Now, that said, um, I, I, I do think we, we kind of owe it to everybody to at least, you know, nitpick a little bit. So so do you have anything that, that you'd like to talk about first? Well, I mean, it's got to be probably the thing you want to talk that you, that you want to talk about as well. And I think I have it two was... things, two things, actually. Yeah. And I want to talk about the least obvious one first. OK, Luca shot five three pointers in the first quarter and he went one for five and three of them were atrocious, atrocious shots. The next, the next three quarters, he shot two threes, and he hit one of them. And the one that he hit, I talked about this with this, uh, the, with this one guy online who is he's he's an overseas guy, and he's his his, his Twitter handle is at Polarfall. He really breaks down like biomechanics and shots. And I asked him, you know, what's what is happening with Luca's shot? And and he he walked me through sort of you know how how Luca probably got the shot that he did in terms of always playing against older guys and needing to figure out a different way just to get his shot off. And it's probably a little bit natural to him, but I think when he shot the catch and shoot three that went in, there's just so much less movement and it looks better. I I know he likes the step back, but it just kind of, it drives me nuts when you can see it coming from like eight seconds out. And he was really getting in the lane and cooking like the 10 assists that he had. I bet we, we look tomorrow. He probably, he, he had a couple of hockey assists. He had a couple of, of ones that just did where guys just didn't hit. And that happens. 
Um, but I really would have liked to see him continuously drive more because the Hawks put him on the line for, uh, you know, 10 free throws. Like he was really getting there. And so that was, that was probably the first thing that, that, that really irked me. Did you see any of that? Yeah. Are you talking about just like, uh, the, just the three quality or like, what, what, what do you mean? I'm, I've been thinking about the three quality because it kind of, it's become the overarching narrative in terms of how Luca is discussed. Can he hit the threes? I think he can hit the threes, but a lot of it for me is shot quality. And, yeah. and he just leans into hard shots. He do, Yeah, he really does. And the question, the, the million dollar question is, when you talk about Luca and you talk about decreasing the number of threes he's taking until he starts hitting an acceptable percentage, because we are now 24, 25 games into year three, and he has not shot better than 32.7% on three pointers for, for a season. Um, and that is like, you know, we, we talk about, you know, threes are greater than two, but when Luca is shooting that, like at that percentage, that's when the math starts you know, it's not working out in his favor when you're only shooting 30, 30 to 32%. Uh, the question that I can't answer yet, I'm not sure I'm smart enough to answer it, but I just wonder is how badly does he need the threat of the three-pointer to unlock the rest of his game and to help get him into the basket and get him into the positions where he can pass and score uh, in the paint near the free throw line or at the rim? Uh, because defense is the fact that he is guarded uh, the fact that he shoots so poorly from three for his career, he's not guarded like that. I mean, no. defenses treat him like he is a Trey Young, Steph, James Harden, deadly three-point shooter. And that's valuable. And that makes that 31% matter. A, you know, it means a little bit more than it would to just like a spot-up defensive guy who's only shooting third, like a Tony Allen type guy that shoots. Uh, but at a certain point, like I said, you know, I don't know what the balance is because, you know, you, he just has to make more and not like he doesn't need to be elite, but he just needs to start creeping into the 34, 35 percent range to get toward that league average, which would just make a, a, a world of difference in his offensive game, I think, which is right. already spectacular. Like, I mean, it's, right. it's hard to it's hard. No, to this is this is picking nits because yeah. he's not having we talked about this two podcasts ago. He's not having the same rim percentage that he did in last year because they don't have a consistent role threat and defenses know it but he's still getting deep in the paint a lot and there were a number of occasions tonight where you know i think more fans are like probably don't understand why he's not taking some of these shorter floaters well i mean the fact is he doesn't want to shoot 30 times a game like that's that's never going to be luca's game he had 18 attempts tonight i i bet if you were to ask him how many shots he'd like to average while playing 35 to 36 minutes it's probably 17 to 18 shots when he gets north of 20 it's because the defense is forcing him to do that and i i don't know it it's it goes both ways because when he's getting in the lane, the Mavericks need to do a little more off ball action. Um, there's a lot of standing around for threes. Some of that I, I understand is by design, but I feel like the Mavericks offense just had more off ball movement last year. And instead of, you know, there just have to be guys slashing and cutting and doing more things on, on, on whenever Luca is absolutely mesmerizing a defense. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. And it really lo makes the offense look terrible tonight. That didn't really matter because the, it was, the ball was just popping around. So it was a lot of fun, but that was just like the first kind of thing that I'm thinking of. And, and like I said, it's a minor nag compared to complaining about, you know, a, a first or second team all NBA player, you know? 
Yes, definitely. And it's it's just something we have to look. It's like it feels like the two things with him because he's already so advanced and he's already made so much progress. It's like the conditioning and getting his body to a place where you know it needs to be, which is not us hating or trolling. I mean, JJ no, it's Bird, it's a it's JJ gonna Bird be a process. It. Yeah, like and it's and it's you know I think people get really mad about it not being that way right now, and I understand it, but it it takes guys. A couple, you know, it takes guys some time before they discover that, hey, I'm not uh, invincible and I need to, you know, treat my body differently than I did before because I can't get away with certain things. Hopefully he's learning that lesson a little bit this year, you know, especially with how he started the season. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is the three pointers, because you look at the rest of his game and it's it's pretty remarkable uh, how elite elite he is in so many other areas offensively that those two things just I think they stick out so much more because he's so good at everything else. Yeah, okay. And now we kind of got to talk about the one little, the one grumpy kind of negative thing that exists. And I'm going to couch it like this. When Porzingis had an outstanding game the other night, I wanted everybody, you know, my, my take the next day was essentially, it's it's great to see Chris Stapp's Porzingis do something and look like a world beater, but we have to at least understand it was against guys who might not be NBA players. And then tonight, he only played 19 minutes. He had 15 points on 6 of 14 shooting, which is horrendously inefficient. And he only grabbed four rebounds, and he had five fouls. He also did not close out the game. Um, yeah, he was not part of the Mavericks. Huge. He hit a corner three early. Uh, that was part of like the beginning of that run, and then picked up the fifth foul, and he was basically not part of the rest of the Mavericks' comeback. Yeah, and the fifth foul happened when they were in zone, and I suppose there's an argument if you go watch the play again that he gets sort of hung out to dry on a zone, no man's land, but John Collins is running directly at the rim, and he just doesn't move until it is way too late, and that is sort of the the MO for KP bad defensive possessions where he is not moving. And he picks up five fouls in no small part because he's not moving well. And I don't know if it's effort or inability, but when he's not doing it on either end, it's a little bit frustrating. You know, he hit a cool corner three in the fourth quarter. I don't want to downplay his contributions. In the first quarter, he he was flashing, and they made some nice plays to him where he was getting looks at the rim. Um... And then for two quarters, he was nothing. And and that just doesn't cut it. I mean, the Hawks are, are big and up and coming, but they're not exactly world beaters. And again, one game. But the bad games or the mediocre games are outweighing the good and the great games by a margin enough to to where I am still exactly where I've been since I was super mad and wanted him traded. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there uh, uh, yet, but uh, and he did, you know, in the game in the three wins uh, before this, he had some decent contributions, and I thought the process had been a little bit better. Uh, it's a shame that he, you know, the five fouls, you know. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good, bad, if this might be another a thing on his on on negative side of his ledger. You know, he had the five fouls. It's hard to be getting rhythm. I think he played like a, a minute or two in the third quarter. 
And then, you know, he picked up the fifth foul and he, and he didn't play for the rest of the fourth quarter. So that's tough. But yeah, you know, <laughs> the thing I will say, and I think you would agree, and I think most people would agree that I've tried to be like as rational on KP as possible because I, I see what he does and I see the potential and I see what he did, you know, for most of February. Entering this game uh, in February, he's at 22, 10 rebounds. Uh, almost three assists, which is a lot for him, uh, two blocks, and he's 47% from the field, 41.9 from, from three. And you're like, if you can just get that, honestly, for the rest, you know, that's that's ideal. Like, if he can, can keep that consistent. And then, you know, he has a game like this, and it, and it looks really bad. Uh, the thing for me, if I can, di- you know, indulge a little bit sure. uh, and maybe making too much of a hot take or just, just a grievance, is the thing that bugs me about KP the most um, is not necessarily the the stats or whatever, but it's the fact that it feels like a lot of work has to go into making sure that he is as efficient as possible. And I understand that that's a way for a lot of guys in the league. It's not a special case for KP, but when a guy's paid as much money as KP is, you would hope that there would be just a little bit of a plug and play mentality, so to speak, in the sense that once you reach a certain level and stature as a player, and if you are as good as that reputation or that salary implies, there should be, you should be a bit more malleable and we shouldn't have to, after almost every game being like, well, he has to work his way into it. Well, the Mavericks need to do this. The Mavericks need to do this, this, and this. They have to put him in this position. Well, if he stands in the corner, you know, that he's disengaged, you can't do that. So you need to get him moving. You need to do this. And I understand that there are like other, you know, second wing, you know, second wing or second star guys that are a little bit like this or something. But uh, Nick uh, from Locked On Maz uh, wrote a really, you know, uh, tweet that was definitely a little uh, instigating. Uh, He knew what he was doing when he wrote it. When he was like, who do you think is the better player right now, uh, John Collins or Christoph Porzingis? And I tweeted um, that I'm not sure how to answer that because, quite frankly, I do not watch enough John Collins to give a hard opinion either way. But the thing about John Collins is the last two seasons, he's been at like 17, 18 points a game uh, last season. And then this season, he's at like 21. And both seasons, he's above 50% from the field and 40% from three. And there's just, I have to admit, I'm a little envious of a guy that can just roll out of bed and give you 20 points without having to run a bunch of offense for him, without having to get the perfect ideal conditions, and you just put him on the floor and he finds a way to score an efficient 20 points almost every night. And I'm a, like, I'm envious of that. And the Ma- like the Mavericks roster as a whole is aching for that guy next to Luca. You know, it's not necessarily just a thing that's like this is kp specific it's a roster specific thing like i wish i wish josh richardson could be a guy that could roll out of bed and score efficiently every every night uh you know tim hardaway jr is the closest thing but again he has to be he is more of a spot-up guy he's not getting to the line you know he's not scoring the rim and he's also you know john collins is working off of trey young in the sense like he he helps Trey Young in the sense of like they're working together in the pick and roll a lot while Hardaway is kind of like a beneficiary to Luca he helps Luca but you know it's not the same thing when Luca is getting screen set by guys that the defenses aren't respecting as much as they probably should for a guy as good as Luca is so that's I don't know if that makes sense it's I hope it's not being like too harsh and I hope I'm not like no that's probably a much more fair way of looking at this I think because 
I'm like insanely critical game to game of what we're talking about, but you just kind of like when you pull back and you're saying, I want this to not be so hard for the guy who it's supposed to be easy for. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, Hmm. you know, the offense is kind of one thing. I really do actually think the offense will come. I continue to be more worried by the defense. The fact that he was, he's just, I mean, the numbers don't lie. He is bad and he's not getting better. And I don't know what that could be. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of things and they're, they're going to keep giving it a go. They need to keep building up some wins, but it's, it's just sort of, it sort of looms in the back when they do, when they play a game like this and they all look so good, except for that, except for the guy who we want it to look really good for keep telling people this who 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 kind of you know they send me messages and it's kind of a bit but I, I i want to be wrong about kp you know it's yeah. it's wonderful to be wrong to see the mavs go win 60 percent of their games and go to the playoffs and make something happen you know maybe that'll still happen I, I hope it does yeah we don't we still don't know and the thing that they're doing is at least in this in this interim period, like you said, they just got to get to the all-star. They got to get to the the first half break, all-star break, whatever you want to call it, and just be in a position where they're not, uh, their seasons hasn't collapsed. And like you said, you put it perfectly. They just got to get there, be 500, reassess, get some days off, and maybe have some, I don't know how many days off they'll have compared to practices, but I mean, they're not really getting to practice with this schedule, which help, which also is like an under underreported thing i think a little bit i know it's the same for other teams and other teams aren't struggling but just with the hand the mavericks have dealt sure. it doesn't help but uh yeah i'm just right there with you and i i understand yeah you're right it was i i like the way you put it i wish i wish it was easier you would think uh that it wouldn't take this much work but i think that's just kind of the way it is and they're trying to figure it out and it's nice that they're getting wins while they figure it out well, we'll be back at it here in a couple of days. The Mavericks play the Pelicans on Friday, and that should be that. That's very much a Styles make fights kind of game. Um, the Pelicans mm-hmm. are a team that should be better than they are, given the talent, which you know kind of goes the same for Mavericks. And but you know they've not run into near the 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 COVID issues that Dallas has, so it should be a fun one. We'll be back talking about that one i think um after the game so you got anything else before we go no i think that's it uh i uh, just try to get four in a row uh, oh. they need it i got one last thing so we got sent a cool t-shirt by breaking t about the belt uh the the defense belt which you know i was kind of i'm, I'm kind of out on as an idea but it's also still fun because you know it's basketball supposed to be fun and i need to lighten up right guys um <laughs> This has been Kirk Anderson and Josh Bo coming to you after the Mavericks went over the Hawks, and we will talk to you guys in a couple of days.